Welcome to the Unstoppable Grit Podcast, where we dive into the mindset shifts and practical tools to help you break through the roadblocks standing between you and achieving your goals. I'm your host, Danielle Kobo, a former Fortune 500 senior sales manager who spent 15 years in the medical device industry and now the best-selling author of the book, Unstoppable Grit. Think of this podcast as your go-to source for career advice and burnout prevention strategies to help you build a career and life you love. Now let's get started. Today, we're taking a deep dive into building self-awareness and the incredible benefits that come with it. What is self-awareness, how to develop it, and why it's important? In fact, research shows that building self-awareness can lead to higher levels of success in life in terms of career goals, personal growth, and more. Today's guest is Dr. Shahana Alibi. As a lead physician at one of British Columbia's largest youth health centers, Dr. Alibi works with organizations and individuals on applying the principles of the Pyramid of Optimal Health to improve mental health through healthy thinking. She is best known for her emotional literacy for better mental health TED Talk. Thanks for joining us today. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. You've had a very successful career as a physician. What led you to hone in and focus on mental health? In 2019, I stood before an audience giving my TEDx talk shortly after the birth of my third son. And on that stage, I used the words, I am a hypocrite because I was. I had led my life prior to that, like you said, as what I deemed as a successful physician, advocating for others, helping others, coaching others. And my passion seemed to be regarding mental health. But up until that point, I deep down, like many of us, believed I was too good for mental health. I believed it was a you problem. It would never be a me problem. Because in order to be a me problem, I had to be weak. And I would never admit that to anybody. And it wasn't until the birth of my first son, now seven years ago, that I felt myself living out that exact definition. When I was on the floor, suffering from panic attacks, I used the words on that stage, postpartum depression, but truly, I also lied. It was postpartum anxiety and OCD. You see that when we say the words anxiety and depression, nowadays, thankfully, people will lean in. But when I start using the words suicidality, bipolar, OCD, schizophrenia, it becomes too much. We take a step back, which is why I hid myself behind the words postpartum depression. But I have to say it was that personal experience, that personal experience of, it sounds cliche, but yes, hitting rock bottom and trying to figure out how did everything go so wrong? How did I end up with my child at a reproductive psychiatrist's office? showing this stranger a diagram and grappling to her to please help me because it wasn't about me anymore. It was about my child. After that long road, I had to realize that medicine taught me how to take care of sick people, but it didn't teach me the premise that your brain's job isn't to keep you happy. It's to make you survive. I so wish someone had told me that on the first day of medical school or on the first day of life for that matter too. And once I realized that, then the question becomes, how do you train yourself? Because as a type A personality, like many of your listeners, I'm sure that are watching, they say, okay, I understand all of that pedagogy. I understand all that, but give me this stuff. Give me the action items. 
And that's been my quest to try to figure out how do I train my brain amidst this chaos that we call life. You and I had shared before we jumped on that we both had experienced postpartum anxiety and depression. And for two highly successful, high achiever women, it could really throw you for a loop because you've spent so much time in that high achieving success. And then to all of a sudden feel like you barely wake up in the morning sometimes. I just remember a moment after having my twins, I remember falling into my husband's arms and looking at him and tears flowing down my cheeks and saying, I need help. There's something not right right now. As you said, it takes a lot of vulnerability and humility to come to a moment where you speak up and say you need help. What are some of the common signs that you see with people that are struggling with mental health? And let's also talk about the self-awareness around mental health. Yeah. When I designed the optimal health pyramid that you alluded to in the intro there, the foundation of that pyramid, which you'll see on my website, is think better and connect deeply. Because so much of my life had been spent in the middle part, the meat part of the pyramid, which was exercise, moving my body, and what we all know now is the importance of sleep. And all of that, don't get me wrong, is so incredibly important. But I learned the hard way that you can't yoga your way to mental health. You can't drink copious amounts of fish oil and hope everything's going to be okay. It does start with getting up here correct. And equally as important and at the top of the pyramid is this idea of exactly why you share your story so beautifully and honestly of why you left your corporate job to chase what you're doing right now. And those words are impact, purpose, contribution, feeling like you are giving more to others and you're giving to yourself and living for a purpose. Because you can train up here all you want, but the sustainability of healthy thinking comes through service to others. You asked me, what does mental health, what can it look like amongst people? And I think all of us can recognize, or at least to another person, not necessarily in ourselves, the cardinal symptoms of having very low motivation, low get up and go, not having that sense of pleasure in doing things that we usually do. The medical word for that is anhedonia. That feeling of we either sleep too little or sleep too much or feeling so keyed up or on edge. I always love when I get this question. Like you said, I work mainly with youth and the youth will always ask me, I need the anti-anxiety pill. I'm not depressed. I need the anti-anxiety one. And I look at them and I say, the pill is the same. It's an anti-anxiety and anti-depression pill. And the reason for that, it's two sides of the same coin. Rarely are you going to see a depression without an anxiety or an anxiety without a depression. They often, not always, but they often go hand in hand. But then there's this other side, what I call the three amigos of mental health, numbness, loneliness, and boredom. These are often the unrecognizable signs that somebody is suffering. And remember, we don't need to diagnose or label everything, but maybe they're not okay is enough to say. Maybe they're suffering in their own way. I once had a 17-year-old who drank so much alcohol, she ended up in the ICU with pancreatitis. And when she was out, I simply asked her, I said, just help me understand. Are you drinking out of pain? Are you drinking? I just need to understand more so I can help you. And she looked directly into my eyes and she said, no, I'm just bored. I'm really bored. And I thought, wow, 
here I am thinking that there's something deep there, but there probably is underneath that sheer vastness of boredom, but she identified it as boredom. So that's where we had to start. Sometimes we mask these emotions with different outlets. And as you're saying, it could be an alcohol. And then there's some people that will almost over-exercise because they're trying to fill that void. I like how you really talked about there's so much information out there of if you want to be happier, okay, we'll exercise and drink more and take care of your body and sleep. And yes, those are all very important. And I've done some specific episodes specifically on how to improve your sleep and boost your motivation and how to eat healthy. But you're right. I think one of the things that we have shared passion for is that cognitive behavioral therapy, which is shifting the thoughts and looking at different ways and identifying what is that root cause of what's causing that loneliness, boredom, frustration in our mind. And then what are the steps that we can take to change that thought process? And as you mentioned, there's a lot of research around people that are happier that are volunteers. So there's a direct correlation between happiness and volunteering. I've said this on previous episodes that when we don't ask for help, we strip somebody of the opportunity to experience joy and fulfillment. Because in reality, we are fulfilled and happy when we're helping others. So when we don't ask for help, imagine if we did what that could do for the other person. Absolutely. I call it conscious compassion. There's a beautiful book called Compassionomics, and it really deals with compassion in the medical field. That's really the focus of the book. But for the longest time, most of us thought, when you see a doctor, get me the diagnosis and the treatment. And if they're nice to me, well, that's like the dessert on the side. That's the sweet part. The main menu should be diagnose me, give me the right pills, surgery, everything else comes second. And what they're finding is that compassion is not the dessert on the side. It is actually more important than the diagnosis and treatment itself because it has the capacity to heal. They did a beautiful study where they actually took three groups of people and they all gave them the same amount of time. One group could do whatever they felt like doing. The second group just wait, actually had a surplus of time. They gave them more time. And the third group had to use their time to help somebody else. Then they asked each group, what was your perception of time? How much time did you think you have? It was only the group that helped somebody else that perceived that they had a longer amount of time. I share this story too, because here we are, type A, and all that we have in common is the 24 hours in the day. And so many of these podcasts are, how do you get more efficient, more productive, do more, do more, do more? Isn't that ironic that the only group that felt like they had more time had that service impact contribution in mind? And I want to make the point too, is that we live in the society where we feel like purpose has to be one thing as if it's a secret treasure that you must uncover. And now I have my purpose. I'm done. We need to live our life with purpose, not for a purpose, with purpose, opening the door with somebody, smiling at somebody, giving them a hug if they need to. That is things with purpose. You've got hundreds of opportunities in one day. It doesn't have to be for your specific purpose. I love hearing that. Even as you said, opening the door for somebody, you see a mom pushing a stroller. (laughs) Take, I mean, literally I will jog to get that stroller for you because pushing around a double stroller, I know how hard that is, but it's those little moments that you get to help somebody out throughout the day that you get to see that reward of that smile and that gratitude. 
and feeling like you have a purpose throughout the day. And I love how you say that that purpose is not just one thing. It is having purpose throughout our entire life, every single day. And it can be anything. I remember a time I was going through Starbucks and the car behind me, I can see this mom and her kid is screaming at the top of the lungs. And I'm going, okay, so clearly she's probably having a little bit of a rough day. And you hear these stories, you pay for the coffee for the person behind you. And I never saw the person. I just kind of took off afterwards. But it's those moments that you remember that just leave that lasting impression. And it's because you know that in one way, shape or form, you got to make that person's day just a little bit better, especially in a moment where she's got a screaming kid in the back of the car. And you know what? That probably led her to do something great. Like you probably started a chain. The buck didn't stop at her. She probably was hopefully maybe her kid calmed down because she had a nice cup of coffee and things kind of just spiraled that way. But even in another study, they took participants, they could feed their own parking meter with money or they could top up somebody else's. And the people who topped up somebody else's actually reported greater levels of happiness. This stuff isn't rocket science. We just don't put it into practice. And the pandemic only constricted our viewpoint. It only made us more internally focused. We've forgotten how to smile because so often from the eyes down, everything was covered, but you can also smile with your eyes as well. It's also trying to teach our kids this stuff. But in a world where you feel like you're trying to constantly grind things out or feel like you're pushing all the time, I feel like compassion allows a bit of grace in that and allows you to relax a little bit into that moment when things can feel so hard or out of your control. Oh, yes. Are you feeling burnt out and overwhelmed? Want to advance your career or find a new job? Maybe you want to build an impactful and profitable business. I left a highly successful Fortune 500 sales career to help people develop the grit, resilience, and courage necessary to thrive in a complex and changing market. In the show notes, you will find free workbooks with tips and strategies for attracting your dream job, advancing your career, preventing burnout, and building a business. Take advantage of your free workbook by downloading it now. You've talked a lot about how to identify the signs. We talked about there's a direct correlation between self-awareness and success. And you've talked about what are some of those signs and having self-awareness around maybe when we're in those kind of low moments in our life. What are some steps that people can take to build self-awareness so that we can make the changes to get in a better place? Yeah, for sure. Let me give you a very simple acronym that can help because we all like things that are tangible and almost formulaic that we can put into practice too. It's a good place to start by saying self-awareness is one of the components of EQ or emotional intelligence. And I think we all know to some degree now that your IQ is fixed, nothing bad about that, but your EQ is actually variable. You can actually change it and improve it. I always find it so hard to swallow when people refer to EQ as soft skills. There's nothing soft about it. In fact, we often complain that the millennials or whatever you want to call it, the generation now, they're too soft. Well, it's interesting because you say that they're lacking soft skills, but yet they're too soft. This is the stuff that we need to be focusing our time on. When it comes to self-awareness being a big component of EQ, the first step you need to realize is that you have this inner roommate, what I call the inner roommate or inner voice in your head. But many of us can go decades without even being attuned to it. A wonderful counselor once told me, she's like, you know that voice in your head? That's a radio dial. 
You can turn it up and you can turn it down. It's never going to go away, but you are in control of the dial. And I love that. I love that because it speaks to the fact that this is always going to be with you, the voice of comparison, the voice of critiquing, the voice of caution. That is those three C's, critiquing, comparison, and contrast are all the voice of your brain. Because once again, your brain has nothing to do with keeping you happy. It is always going to make you survive. And in order to survive, it has to constantly be critiquing what you're doing or comparing you to somebody else or cautioning you. That's a really tough place to live. This acronym is two N's, two S's. So N2, S2. And this is a formula that you can use right away to start to build self-awareness, not to build happiness, but to build self-awareness. So the first N is to try to notice. That's much easier said than done. You have to start noticing, what does it feel like when I get frustrated? What does it feel like when anger hits my body? Just yesterday, my eldest son was really upset at losing his hockey game and he's bashing his hockey stick. And I'm like, well, okay, what you are feeling is nothing wrong with anger, but that feel what it feels like right now. The problem with our society was we live in a world of self-abandonment. We do one of three things with our emotions. We suppress them, we deny them, or we blame you. It's your fault for having my emotion. That's what we do. We don't feel the feelings. And it doesn't have to be for long. I think people hate this feel the feelings because they're imagining me sitting in a lotus pose feeling anger. That's not what this is about. This is about feeling, I know I call it my emotional bed my emotion that I revert to and I find very comfortable is overwhelm. I live in overwhelm. That is a beautiful bed, very comfy for me. Maybe not for you, but for me. I know what overwhelm feels in my body. My heart rate starts to go up. I start to feel a bit sweaty. I feel short of breath. I start to feel internally chaotic. That's the noticing piece. So you can notice the tempo of your heartbeat. You can notice the palpitations in yourself. Some people see colors, all of those types of things. The second N is what I just did is to name it. There was a study done that showed that people only have three adjectives in terms of naming their emotions, mad, sad, or glad. That's nothing. We need to increase our emotional bandwidth so we can actually label how we are feeling. Are you feeling anxious or are you feeling depleted? Are you feeling lonely or actually feeling guilty and resentful? Those are very different things. And that's what I try to teach my patients, the youth that I work with too. Are you actually feeling jealous or actually feeling scared? Scared of abandonment. Those are different things. Put the right label on it. So those were the first two ends: noticing and naming. I'll pause quickly in case there was anything else you wanted to jump into, then I can go into the two S's as well. Yeah, I was just looking up too is, you had really talked about what are those initial signs and understanding what the emotions are. And for the listeners out there, episode 90, we talk about the seven signs of emotional burnout. And we talk a lot about the emotions that you're talking about right now, that overwhelm, that fear of that uncertainty. If you want to really dive into understanding and noticing those physical and mental signs of, we talk about burnout specifically, but the mental health I invite you all to tune in. Thank you. And let's go ahead. I want to go ahead and jump into the other steps. Absolutely. No, I'll have to definitely check out that episode myself as well. Noticing it, giving it the appropriate name. The first S is the story. What dialogue are you telling yourself in your head? 
And I say, it's not the story you're telling yourself. It's the story you're selling yourself. It's a story you're selling yourself because you are the best salesperson there ever was on this planet when it comes to your own head. Like for me, every morning, I convince myself that I am the overworked mom who has to pack everyone's lunches and no one packs my lunch and no one makes my breakfast. And oh, I will huff and puff and I say the same dialogue. Oh, and you can tell I'm very convinced of this dialogue. Is it true? Perhaps. Is it all true? No. Nothing is all true. The number one, you alluded to the CBT or cognitive behavioral technique, number one thought distortion that we as a society have, our brain is really bad at thinking in spaces of gray. I'm either beautiful or ugly. I'm either smart or dumb. It's either day or night, black or white. Our life is lived in dualities, opposites, but there's nothing in between. I do do a lot for my family. But do they do nothing for me? And am I the one who's all, well, no, they do, a, you know, I always call it, how do you poke holes? We've all done this before. If you played Play-Doh with your kids and poke little holes in the little creations that you've made, how do you poke holes in that theory and actually go, well, is it all true? And that's easier said than done. So that's the story part. And the last piece is shifting. And the thing that I really like to emphasize is that you can stay in that emotion. No one is forcing you to leave because there is no such thing as a good or a bad emotion. Stay in anger. Fine. Stay in frustration. No problem. Be resentful. Ask yourself, does this serve me? Maybe it does serve you for now. Ask yourself, do I want to shift? Is this serving me? And what does this say about me? These are all key questions you can ask yourself. And when it does come time to shift, ask yourself with that story. Or the problem that is causing you this grief, is it permanent? Is it pervasive? Is it going through every single aspect of my life? Or is it only accessing a part of my life? And have I solved harder problems? Because each of those questions, my son is working on his camera right now, it allows you to zoom out. Our brain is really bad at gaining perspective, really bad. It's really hard for us. So imagine you're a camera taking a very wide shot. Can you zoom out? And by asking yourself those three questions, is it permanent, pervasive, and have I solved harder problems? You go, oh, so it's not that big of a deal if my child didn't pack this for lunch or I'm late for this meeting. I think I can get over that. That's the acronym. Notice, name, story, shift. Right there, how you build better self-awareness. Easy to remember and easy to implement as well. And I liked how you said it's okay sometimes to sit in the emotion, even if it is one of those emotions that we have the perception of being a negative emotion. Because I think about what immediately came to my mind was anger. Now, a lot of us would say, wait a minute, she's telling us to sit in anger. But I think about, okay, my husband's in the military and when he goes to war, I would imagine that that anger is one that he wants to kind of sit in for a while because that's what's going to help him in fighting for justice. I know that he was there and kind of rescuing some of the Syrians when the refugees. And I would imagine that that anger and seeing how the Syrians were being treated was a good emotion to sit in and to utilize for that purpose. Oh, beautiful. Because what your husband then will realize is that to him, the reason he has the emotion of anger is because he values justice. Mm -hmm. 
Emotions are our signpost or our marker, a beacon of significance of why does this bother me? If he didn't value justice, he'd be like, whatever, I don't really care. But this is why he's in that role. That's why we're so blessed to have people like your husband and others who are so motivated by serving the underdog and carrying out justice. And that anger is fueling him. And it's not even just that. It's actually a sign that this is what I really care about. Just like my eldest son, he gets really angry when things aren't fair. And he's going to learn very soon that not everything is fair, bud. But at the end of the day, it helps him understand his value system. And he'll probably fight for those. Whenever he has experience where there is unfairness, whether it's in sports or career or somebody that's experiencing, I can imagine if it was in his career in the future, he could be someone that can help that person in how to address it, maybe with a manager or whether to stay in a job or not, because he's guiding them through that process. So sometimes I say is, Our core values are our motivators, our drivers, the situations that we experience in our life. And we've talked about this before we jumped on. Our messiness can sometimes be our message. Our pain can be our purpose. It's really like you said, sitting in, acknowledging the emotions and how can we really apply that into our life? Oh, completely, completely. It's so funny. Just think about how many times you've quote unquote failed and how much you've perseverated and thought about that when we have a high point and we just move on. It's just so ironic. If we exactly, if you can start to actually think about, I even tell this to my kids too, pay attention. Like I want you to, my three-year-old is learning to skate. And the first thing his coach told him was practice falling. Why don't we practice failing? The first time I made a huge error, I spent $50,000, moved halfway across the country and chose the wrong profession. I was going to chiropractic school and I soon learned that I was not the right profession for me. That was a big lesson. (laughs) You know, that was a big lesson. And up until that time, I had walked on a straight and narrow path, never disturbing anything. If only I had practiced followed a little bit. Oh, there's so much to unpack with today's episode. And really, you talked about how to understand it if we're struggling with self-awareness, how to identify those signs of it and how to build self-awareness. Thank you so much for joining today. I really appreciate it. I'm sure our listeners do as well. Oh, my pleasure. You are forced to be reckoned with and can't wait to keep listening to all the great work you've done. Thank you. Oh, thank you. For those of you listening, I highly encourage you to, if you know somebody that might be kind of just in a rough point in their lives, share this episode with them. Give them the tools to help them kind of dig their way out of where they're at and have the tools to build the self-awareness so that they can thrive and have success in their life. And thank you for tuning in and create an intentional day. Thank you for listening to the Unstoppable Grit Podcast with Danielle Cobo. If you found today's episode resonating and inspiring, kindly take a moment to craft a review. Your review holds the potential for Apple and Spotify to share the Unstoppable Grit podcast with others. Furthermore, consider extending the ripple effect by sharing this episode with those around you, family, friends, colleagues, and anyone who could benefit from the insights and stories shared here. Also, be sure to visit daniellecobo.com for more resources on cultivating resilience and unleashing your inner grit. We'll be back soon with another empowering episode. Until then, be unstoppable.